St. Louis, Missouri sits right on the Mississippi River, and just north of St. Louis is an area where three rivers come together. There's the Mississippi that's flowing down from the north, and then from the west, the Missouri River flows into that area. And then from the east, the Illinois River flows in as well. There are probably um, at least 13 states whose rainwater runoff or snowfall melting flows into these rivers and their correlated tributaries to form what is the Mississippi River as it flows down into the Gulf of Mexico right near um, New Orleans in Louisiana. It's an enormous flow of water and back in 1993, in the spring, the rains started to fall. It wasn't of great concern because the Mississippi had had some significant floods in the 20s and then again in the 50s, and so there was a lot of engineering that had been put in place to help handle whatever might come in terms of the waters through the rivers. They had built levees in the city of St. Louis. They had actually built a 52-foot-high flood wall in one portion to try and take care of anything that could possibly happen. But in the spring of 1993, particularly heavy rain, uh, snowfall from the winter began to melt. Then in the early weeks of the summer, rain began to fall. More rain than they had seen in quite some time. The rivers began to swell. From the aerial views, you can see how the river started to push its banks a little further up the edge of the river's shore. The levees were tested. At one point in time, that 52-foot wall that had been built in St. Louis, the floodwaters were 20 feet above normal, which put it within two feet of the top of this 52-foot wall. If that had given way, or if the water had breached the top, St. Louis would have been underwater. St. Louis was spared from much of what took place in 1993, but the towns north and south of St. Louis didn't suffer quite so good of a fate. Some of the levees that had put in, put in place had started to give away. One tragic uh, situation for which a gentleman was convicted and imprisoned, he removed some of the sandbags in one of the levees because he was angry at his spouse and he didn't want to leave a party that he was at, and so stranded her in another portion, and to drive his point home, took out some of the sandbags, and the river broke through. Areas were flooded that never expected to be flooded, and in the early fall of 1993, as the waters slowly began to recede, and they began to evaluate the damage, it was one of the most expensive flood disasters in United States history, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 billion dollars worth of damage in that day and age. Probably about 50 deaths associated with the flood, 
fortunate that there weren't more. But I took my five-year-old girl, hopped on a bus with a bunch of other people, and went down to a small town that was north of St. Louis, a town that had grown up next to one of those man-made levees, thinking that the levee had hold, held for years would certainly hold again. There was, during one of the high-water moments, a gentleman who decided to go out at night in his motorized boat and look at how high the floodwaters had gotten. He was inebriated and uh, ran into one of the levee walls with his boat. Created just a small little gap and he was able to push the boat away from that and make his way back to the marina. But as the water started to pour through that small little indentation in the levee, it started pushing more and more dirt away until finally it carved out a V-shape in this levee that flooded the little town where we were visiting. Within a very brief period of time, all of the residents were scrambling for their lives, trying to get out as the floodwaters rose so fast. Rose until every water was inundated. When we went, we joined in with hundreds of others. We slept in a gymnasium much like this one. My daughter and I huddled up in one corner of an area, and the next day we got on a bus, and they took us to this little town that had since dried out, and we went to help at a particular house. We had boots and shovels, and my little five-year-old was dressed, ready to work. She lasted about 40 minutes. We had a long day ahead of us, so I tried to get some things for her to play with out in front of the house. The house was overwhelming. The river waters carried with it so much river silt that there was a layer of about 14 to 16 inches of mud throughout the house. And I'm not sure that what we did made that much of a difference. Our job was just to take loads of river silt out of the house and try and empty it. In one of the bedrooms where I was working, you could see where the water had come in, and the water mark was about seven feet up on the bedroom wall along the curtains. You could see right where it was. The dresser that sat about four and a half feet tall, apparently the water as it came up had come up in a rather calm manner, though it came through the levee fast. As the waters rose within the house, it just rose slowly, and as the waters receded, all of the items that had been on top of this dresser remained on top of the dresser, but with a coat of dirt silt all around them, trying to clean this out. The reason I share this story is um, that for me this was interesting in that it, it carried significant weight for me. It was in some ways kind of a defining moment for me. Here we were working in somebody's house and all of their personal belongings were still in the house except for the few items that they quickly grabbed as they escaped and couldn't come back for months as the water receded. And I thought what it must have been like for them. 
And I thought about all that was left behind. And I thought about how life starts over. And I thought about priorities. And I thought of what it would be like if I was in that same situation. What it is that I give myself to. Where I place value and how I define myself. It was a long day, a couple days, just shoveling mud and dirt. That's all we did. There's a good chance that they eventually came through and just bulldozed the house. I'm not sure. But we did get to meet a couple of residents of the town, which was wonderful, to hear a little bit of their story. I'm not sure that we helped them very much, but the circumstance began to work on me from the inside out. I was really wrestling with what it meant to own possessions or to be owned by possessions, what it meant to um, hold things loosely, what it meant to establish priorities that allowed me to look through the right lens in my life. A defining moment. The things that you've been hearing about, seeing slides on the screen, the ways in which you participated in a number of these events, our hope, I think, in many ways is to create opportunities for defining moments. A mission trip where you go, and I, I don't know the long-lasting effect of some of the things that take place. I think in many cases, it's a ministry to those who go as much or more than it is a ministry to those that we visit. A ministry that has really the opportunity to minister us to us in profound ways that begin to define us differently. We hope the same thing for camps and VBS. So many of us can tell stories of our childhood, defining moments that took place at a camp gathering or some special time in children's church or children's VBS. We pray that sometimes on a Sunday morning there might be a defining moment for you where God gives you a new insight. That's what we hope for. One of the scripture readings for today continues from previous weeks, the John 6 passage. Comes to the end of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water. Jesus gives this really interesting teaching about being the bread of life and having eternal life. And so many see this as actually a very difficult teaching and they depart and Jesus looks to his disciples and said, will you leave as well? And they say, where we will go? We're with you. It was in many ways a defining moment for the disciples. The crowd went this direction, and Jesus, not in a condemning way, said, would you like to go as well? And they said, no, we've hitched our wagon with you. This defines us. One of the other readings takes us to the story of King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 2 and chapter 3. We read the storyline of King Solomon and we hear over and over again of some amazing defining moments in his life. At the end of chapter 2, we hear of defining moments that many of us probably have, but we never think of defining moments until it kind of comes back and haunts us a little bit. For Solomon, they are defining moments of family of origin. His father, King David, had reigned for 40 years. Now it's turning over to Solomon 
at a very young age. David's closing words affected Solomon. Solomon's mother's conversation with him dramatically affected his journey. His brother's effect on him. These people that formed his family of origin created defining moments that affected his journey as king and in some ways in very negative, harmful, hurtful ways. In chapter 3, we have a moment where Solomon comes into contact with God through a dream, through prayer, through the spiritual conversation. Solomon asks of God because God gives him the opportunity to ask for anything And he asks for, the language here is, a listening heart so that he might know the difference between right and wrong. We've often looked at this passage and called it wisdom. But I love the line, God, give me a listening heart. And somehow that through listening, I might be defined by your goodness, by you. This became a journey for Solomon where all kinds of other influences came into his life and he succumbed to numerous other influences. But this was a defining moment against which all of those other things would be compared in Solomon's journey. So this morning, very simply, my question to all of us, first What are some of the defining moments in our life? If you're looking for a question to have over um, lunch today or with a friend in the week to come, talk about defining moments. We had that actually in Sunday school hour, an hour ago, where we shared in small groups um, some of the dark moments in our life's journey and how often it's those dark moments that become defining moments for us. A defining moment where you looked at the life journey of someone else like I did in that little town north of St. Louis and somehow through someone else's experience it became a defining moment for me. And what is it that you'd like to see happen this coming year that might present to you an opportunity for a new defining moment? A place where God could work an openness to God's movement in your life. A place like Matt where you could interact with someone else and tell a story that might help someone else have a defining moment, but in that moment be affected yourself by yourself as well. What are you going to do this year that opens up your heart to God being the definition of your life? It takes, just like it did for Solomon, a listening heart. May that be true for all of us. May that define our church. May we be a church that listens well and talks well about those defining moments that form us individually and in community. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask for the praise band to come up even now as I'm leading into prayer. We're going to sing a couple songs and then close. My hope is that as we sing, as you hear the music, your heart might reflect 
What are some of the defining moments in my life? We live a lot of life based on those moments that have helped to form us. And then maybe at the end of this, a prayer that says, God, may there be something this year that makes us more like you, the image you've stamped on us. Father, thank you. Thank you for these incredible stories, these wonderful moments that we've heard proclaimed, and the challenge that our church might participate in opportunities that would create more moments like these. Help us to be a giving church, an honoring church, but most of all, Lord, help us to be a church that reflects you. So, Lord, define us. Define the language we use, the attitude we have. Heal some of those defining moments that have left deep scars. Help us to let go of some of those painful moments that have misdefined us that have given us monikers that are not true and help us to replace it with the mark of your spirit in our life. Thank you, Lord. Amen.